Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Proverbs. The Old Testament book of Proverbs and Proverbs in chapter number 6. The book of Proverbs and chapter number 6. As we're continuing with our series and our theme for this year is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and that we are searching and looking for wisdom all throughout the Bible. Now remember the Bible is not just a book that tells us about church, but it is a Bible that also gives us instruction for our life. It tells us how to live our life, how to work in our life. When we find these biblical principles and we obey these biblical principles, we find that God God's blessings will be put and poured upon us. We're going to find one of these helpful biblical principles that is helpful and practical in our daily lives. Now, may I underscore this, that from time to time, I will hit certain topics where people will be upset with me. May I tell you that this is going to be one of them, that this is going to be one that pride is going to get involved because all of us in here already have something in mind of our abilities. And whenever that's challenged, sometimes we will get to the place where our pride will be escalated and we want to defend ourselves. As we read this passage and enter into prayer, may I say that this would be a good time to humble ourselves and to say, Lord, teach me. Help me not to be defensive. Help me to learn what you have me to learn. And I believe that if we humble ourselves and if we seek God's face and if we allow him to teach us and instruct us, that this would be something that could be life-changing and revolutionary, revolutionize everyone's life. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Proverbs in chapter number six. The book of Proverbs chapter six, and notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number six. Proverbs in chapter Chapter 6, and in verse number 6, the word of God says this, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty be as one that travaileth and thy want as an armed man. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Proverbs in chapter number six? Proverbs chapter six, and notice with me if you don't mind in verse one. Proverbs chapter six and in verse number, sorry, chapter six and verse six, it says, go to the ant. Proverbs chapter six and verse six, go to the ant. And if you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you now, I'm just asking that you would give us grace, that you would give us understanding, that you would help us to have discernment about where we are at 
that you could help us to improve and increase and be wise about our ways that we could be as pleasing to you as possible in our daily life, not just our spiritual life, but our everyday life that we live. Lord, you have to direct, you have to work. Your Holy Spirit, we're asking that you would have full liberty within here. We know that these good folks here has just as much responsibility to be spirit-filled listeners as well as I have a responsibility to be a spirit-filled speaker. Lord, I'm asking that you would help, that you would work, that you would shine your spotlight into our ways, that we could see what we can do to improve and increase what you've given us to do. Help now. I need you, Lord. Just work. Honor your word in Jesus' name. Amen. As we examine this passage, we understand that a person of direct address is going to be the sluggard in verse number six. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Once again, it's going to deal with the idea of a sluggard in verse nine. How long will thou sleep, O sluggard? The first thing I want to bring to your attention as we get ready to tackle this passage is the characteristics of the lazy. The characteristics of the lazy. Now, wisdom in dealing with financial matters and whatnot is multifaceted. We understand that we can become poor by something that we do. We could also become poor by something we don't do. You could become poor by wasting the finances that you have. You could also become poor by doing nothing, being lazy. Laziness is a sin. And since we're also hitting this and getting everybody aggravated, procrastination is laziness. Procrastination is a sin. Laziness is a sin. I've already made everybody happy with me. Do you know that God created us to work? Work was not a punishment. God gave us work from the very beginning. He created us to work. As we understand that the human penman of this was Solomon. Solomon invested every passing moment of time. He didn't waste a minute. And you saw what God allowed him to accomplish by using his time wisely. Now this word sluggard is sometimes it's referred to as the slothful is an important word. The word sluggard refers to someone who is slothful, lazy, unconcerned, half-hearted or careless. Now that's pretty good broad definition that someone who is a sluggard, it deals with someone who's slothful. That carries the idea that they're slow. They're like molasses for an old Southern term, or you may think of the animal, the sloth. A sluggard refers to someone who is lazy, someone who is unconcerned, someone who is half-hearted. They're not fully into it, they're half-hearted doing their work. The Bible calls that person a sluggard. Or someone who's careless about the work. That ah, doesn't matter that much. I'll just get the job. They're careless. The Bible addresses all of those criteria under the idea of a sluggard. So it carries a multifaceted full definition. There's a big range of people that fit within this idea of a sluggard. A Christian sluggard lacks a vision and a zeal for the things and the plan of God. A Christian slugger is someone who's unfaithful in the things of God. 
A Christian sluggard makes excuses for his carelessness and his unfaithfulness. Now in the Old Testament, the English word sluggard or sometimes used slothful man is only used 14 times. Each of those 14 times is found within the book of Proverbs. So what are the characteristics of a sluggard? We're going to come back to this passage and explore it, but we want to see what the Bible has to say concerning the sluggard. Let's see if you don't mind, and let's examine a couple of these passages. Notice with me Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19. We see, starting in Proverbs 19, we see a description of the sluggard. The sluggard is idle. The sluggard is idle. Proverbs 19, and notice with me, 24. Proverbs 19 in verse 24. Notice what the Bible says. A slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. This is having a, a picture that he's stationary. He's not moving. The word picture here is that the sluggard can't even be bothered to feed himself. He's got his hand in his pocket. Won't even feed himself. He's idle. He could stick his hand in a dish, but he's not going to bring the food to his mouth. He, it's a sluggard. Have you ever met someone that late? See, now we understand this is a picture, but we can see this idea that there's some people that we can imagine they're so lazy they wouldn't even feed themselves. Some Eat. Come on, eat. They have to be pushed into it to, to move, to work. With the same idea of idleness, turn with me, Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26 and verse 25, or 26 and verse 15. Proverbs 26 and verse 15. The slothful hideth his hand into his bosom. It grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth. Almost the same thing, just a different thing. It's too much of a burden for him to feed himself. I'm just not going to eat. If I have to make my own food, I'm just not going to eat. If I have to cook, well, I'm just rather not eat at all. Do you know someone like that? Now don't point, because you might end up pointing yourself, but he's so slothful, so careless, so unmotivated, that if food is not placed in front of them, not going to eat. Slothful. The sluggard is idle. Something else that we see in the book of Proverbs is that the sluggard is irrational. The sluggard is irrational. Notice as we're still in the same book, Proverbs 26 and verse 13. Proverbs 26 and verse 13. The sluggard is irrational. Notice in verse 13. The slothful man saith, there's a lion in the way. There's a lion in the streets. You see, instead of working, the sluggard will give ridiculous excuses of why they can't work. They're irrational. I'm sorry, I can't work. Can't do it. It's almost like the idea of excuses. I've given you this before about a guy who was invite, invited to go to Sunday school and he says, I can't make it to Sunday school. Well, why not? Because there's a quarter milk in the fridge. Quarter milk? What does that have to do with anything? He says, listen, one excuse is as good as another. Right? A sluggard is pretty good at making excuses, some fantastical excuses of why he can't work. You know what? I can't go out. There's lions in the street. I, I, the, you, the lion will get me. There's no lions around. 
but they come up with irrational excuses. And by the way, sometimes it may seem rational to them, but everyone else listening to them said, what? How does that make sense? But they come up with an excuse of why they can't work. The sluggard is irrational. In addition, the sluggard is illogical. The sluggard is illogical. Notice with me Proverbs 20. Proverbs 20. (laughs) Proverbs 20 in verse 4, it says, The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore, he shall beg and harvest and have nothing. Now, this isn't, he's not plowing because it's cold outside. It carries the idea that he's not plowing, meaning he's only got a small small time to plow before it gets cold. He has a time to work. Now's the time to work. No, it's now, no, no. You see the idea that the short harvest doesn't motivate him. So finally, when it comes time and the winter happens, now I don't have anything to eat. Well, I planted this, or I didn't plant anything, but I was expecting corn to grow. How come I don't have corn to eat? They have the idea that things are magically going to be provided for them when they don't work. That's illogical. The Bible says a man who doesn't work doesn't eat. That's a Bible principle. You can't expect food to magically show up when you haven't worked for it. It is illogical to expect that. By the way, we have a society of illogical people. But this is a Bible principle that they have the idea that you should be able to work and see what you produce. And if you don't work, you are just illogical to expect food to miraculously pop up. They're illogical. In addition, the sluggard is irritating. The sluggard is irritating. Notice with me in Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. I understand this isn't as fun of a message as you would expect. We'll get to the fun part here in a bit. Maybe it'll be fun. But we have to see what the Bible has to say. The Bible is very clear about God's idea of work. You know, what made America great back in the day was what was called a Protestant work ethic. People knew how to work, and it's what made our country great. It's still what separates our country from other countries because people know how to work. But we're coming now to our place in society where people don't know how to work, and we're seeing a downfall. But this is a Bible principle. People who obey the Bible will by nature become people who know how to work. I know I'm building up fans, but let's see what the Bible has to say. The sluggard is irritating. Many of you could relate to this. Proverbs 10, 26. Proverbs 10, 26. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to them that send him. All right, so what does this mean? Well, for those little kids out here, teenagers, try this experiment. Go take some vinegar and go put some to your teeth. Take a little sip and see how it goes. You know, the idea that vinegar is irritating to the teeth. Smoke in your eyes is irritating. It makes it water. This idea that the sluggard is irritating, so is just like vinegar is irritating to the teeth, just like smoke is irritating to the eyes, so is anyone who works with a lazy guy. 
most of us who have been to work and you have the person who gets a paycheck, but they don't do anything. It's pretty irritating. I've heard stories from you, man, this guy, he shows up and he just stares the whole day. He won't work. It becomes irritating to the rest of the coworkers who are trying to get something done. The Bible says that the sluggard is irritating. Nothing like trying to get someone motivated to work. Now I've got two jobs. I got to do my job and then motivate him to do his job. (laughs) It's an irritation. A sluggard is irritating. Something else the Bible says about the sluggard is that the sluggard is irresponsible. The sluggard is irresponsible. Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. Notice what it says in verse 30. Proverbs 24 and verse 30. It says, I went by the field of a slothful and by the vineyard of a man void of understanding. And lo, it was overgrown over with thorns and nettles had been covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken. Then I saw it and I considered... (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I considered it well and looked upon it and received instruction. What did he leave instruction for? Well, here, this guy, sluggard, he doesn't lack in resources. He had a field. He just did nothing with it. It's not a lack of resources. It's a lack of movement and motivation. You know, one thing in our country is that our country is set up and still is, despite what people say, A place where if you learn how to work, you can move forward in life. You could still do that. People have the opportunity. They lack the motivation and they lack the, the, the movement to do so. The sluggard is a poor steward. He's been blessed with plenty, but he does nothing with that opportunity. He had all this opportunity in the world to succeed. And he didn't do anything with it. And it went to waste. It fell apart. So as we give an observation here, a sluggard is idle, irrational, illogical, and irresponsible. By the way, if this describes you, Solomon says, consider the ant. Let's look and see what we can learn about the ant. So we started with the characteristics of the lazy. Now let's look a call to look. A call to look. So we're supposed to look at the ant, consider the ant, and see what we can learn by the ant. What does the ant teach us about not being lazy? What does the ant teach us about work, and may I say, work ethic? Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number six. The book of Proverbs, chapter six, and in verse number six. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. So now the Bible is contrasting a lazy man, a sluggard, with an ant. Now an ant colony is built on two principles, twin principles, discipline and work. An ant colony has those two principles, discipline and work. Notice in verse seven, it describes that the ant works without force. An ant works without force. Notice with me verse 7. Which having no guide, overseer, or ruler. This carries the idea that ants aren't slothful. 
They do not need people to make sure they get up in the morning and do their task. An ant automatically does this. A sluggard is someone who says, come on, get up out of bed. Come on, kick him and come on, get a job. Come on, let's move. Come on, we got to do something. An ant doesn't need someone to check on them. An ant, which is the picture here, is able to get the work done. May I say that one thing that we're lacking today and today's work ethic is initiative? People can't start a job by themselves. They have to be told what to do. Next, okay, now do this. You know, if you can imagine, all right, step with your left foot, okay. Now with your right. Now, come on, left with your right. You're like, why am I telling you how to do this? Do something. We're lost this initiative. People aren't willing to do a task that they're not told to do. Of course, many of us who work a job, plenty of people do that. If they're not told to do it, they're not going to do anything. But you know how you succeed in life? By taking the initiative, by getting a project on your own. Even if you're not tasked to do it, you do it because it needs to be done. It's something that needs to be done. So I do it. I take the initiative. Hey, no one is going to look out for you more than you. No one is going to help you other than you. So you need to take the initiative to get a job. Hey, you need more education? Then you take the initiative to go get more education. You need help? You take the initiative to go get help. An ant doesn't need someone to tell them what to do. I understand this is not a course on how to win friends and influence people, but this is what the Bible said. I told you at the very beginning that this is one that doesn't make people happy. I expect hate mail, whatever, but I'm explaining what the Bible says because this is helps. We live in a world now that has lost its work ethic and people are explaining it away and whatever, but We have to follow back to the Bible. This isn't just Sunday stuff. This is everyday stuff. Can you work without being told? Can you get up and fulfill the task that's given to you? Not only does the ant work without force, but the ant works without fail. The ant works without fail. Notice with me in verse eight. Provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. You know, one thing that you could always see is an ant <laughs> uh, working. I mean, you don't see an ant playing. They don't take breaks and play video games. Now, you understand I'm not preaching at that, but when you watch an ant, they're always at work. They're not taking a holiday. They're not saying, well, listen, I need to get my Netflix done today. They're working, and they work regardless of the weather. They get it done. They work while the circumstances are good to provide for those hard times. Now, what ants do by instinct, people should do by common sense. That if you have the ability and the time to work, work. Get something done. Be productive. Now, Solomon, who was a great observer, learned these lessons just by watching creatures. Look, I could learn what is natural to ants and learn that we should do this too. Everyone has the same amount of time in a day. Every single one of us. None of us have more time than another in a day. All of us have been given the same amount. Then why is it that more people can get some things done and some people feel like they don't get anything done? Well, could it be that we're missing something on a work ethic? Consider the ant. So we started with the characteristics of the lazy. 
we had a call to listen, now let, or a call to look. Now let's look at a call to listen. Notice with me verse 9. How long will thou sleep, O sluggard? When will thou rise out of sleep? So now the lesson is moved to application. Wake up! Wake up! Time to work. Now's the time to do something. Notice in verse, 11, uh, verse 10. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to sleep. A lazy man takes a nap to get, avoid getting out of work. Have ever met someone like that? Just needs their extra naps? <laughs> you said, you're being extra mean preacher. I'm just saying what the Bible says. I'm sorry. You get mad at me here in a bit when I do my illustration. <laughs> but lazy people, they're like, I need to take a nap. Oh, it's too much. By the way, some of the most hardworking people I've seen are lazy people to work out of getting out of work. They come up with some of the most ingenious ways to get out of work. Wouldn't it have been much easier for them to work? <laughs> Notice as it goes on. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. Laziness is like a robber. You are stealing time. By the way, I'll scream this. If you are not working your best for your employer, you are stealing According to the Bible, you're stealing their time. You are expected to work and don't steal their time. You will be held accountable to God about theft for that. And the Bible says thou should not steal. You steal people's time. In return, your wealth will be stolen from you because of laziness. You could have had a whole lot more if you decided to work. A lazy man will then be helpless when poverty comes. You know, when, let's just say the economy drops. We already know that inflation's going up. But when the economy drops, people that don't know how to work and the government's broke, how are they going to survive? Amen. If they've never learned how to work for themselves. But you say, preacher, you don't know my idea. Let me, everyone is capable of doing something. You, you're not expected to do everything if you have health problems. I have health problems. I understand. There are certain things that I cannot do. But I can do something. Everyone could do something. You know, I had, um, years ago, I had a man who weighed 500 pounds. And he said, preacher, I can't go soul winning with you. I like to. I like to tell them, what can I do? I can't walk and I can't move. I said, what you could do is take sheets of paper and handwrite your testimony of how you came to know the Lord and then take a phone book and just start mailing out address to address to address. If you need stamps, I'll get you stamps. Could you do that? Oh, I could do that. Wonderful. By the way, we had some people who were reached with the gospel because of that. Amen. See, you understand you're not expected to do something that you can't do, but you're supposed to do all that you can do. Everyone could do something. And again, people are so dependent upon the government now. What happens when the government gets broke? What are they going to do? How are they going to survive? They've never worked, so how are they going to work? By the way, this is for free. When my kids went to get jobs, I told each of them that when you go to your job uh, interview, I know that you don't have a work history with a resume but when you go in there and you tell them two things, you'll get hired on the spot. I know how to work 
and I'm willing to learn. Employer said, let's do it. (laughs) Because they're looking for someone to work. I will talk to employers all the time. And they said, I just wish I had someone who knew how to work. I knew, I wish I, we've lost something here. And the Bible says, consider the ant. We're becoming lazier and lazier as a society. And what we're finding is everything falling apart. So if you don't mind, in order to best be a help, sometimes it's an illustration that helps us out. Zeb, once you come up here, and let's do an illustration. Let's kind of understand. Let's say that this jug here represents a 24-hour period. Every single one of us have the same jug. None of you have 32 hours in a day. And none of you have 17 hours in a day. All of us have 24. Now, in our day, every single one of us have things that have to be done. I've got some big rocks here. And I want to try to do an illustration. So each one of these are things that have to be done. I understand we have to sleep. My thing is not saying that you're not supposed to sleep anymore. We have to sleep. You have to eat. Those who have jobs, you have to have jobs. Those who have school, you have to go to school. For those of you who have wives, you have to sometimes at least acknowledge your wife exists, spend time with her. You know, that's something that has to be done. You have to read your Bible. You have to pray. Those are non-optional. Those are things that have to be done. Every one of us have 24 hours a day and every single one of us have things that have to be done. I mean, I don't want to be crude, but you know, all of us have to go to the bathroom. That takes time. Those are things that have to be done. There are things that have to be done within our day. So these rocks represent our day good. Now, could you say that this is pretty full? I meant, we've got big rocks in here, maybe. All right, we don't want to get it to the top because, you know, we can only have 24 hours a day, right? I guess. I, could, would you say that this is full? I meant all of us have things that have to be done. And if we do everything that we have in there, our day's pretty full, huh? Can't get any more into it. And so this is how some people live. I got... I did what I did today. I got it full. I feel accomplished. But do you understand? There are a lot of people who don't know how to work. There's a lot of people who know how to be busy. But very few people know how to work. So we could say that this is full, huh? Really can't get, there's big rocks left. We can't get any more into there, right? Well, let's see what we can do. Put that in there. Do you know that sometimes you'd be amazed at what you could get accomplished? (laughs) When you realize how to work. I meant sometimes organizing your efforts can help you get more things accomplished. If you could allow uh, illustration, I had a preacher not too long ago who says, listen, I need help. I, um, I read my Bible and I study for myself and I've got administrative things to do. But outside of that, I end up spending 57 hours a week studying my, for my sermons. He says, it's just, I feel like it's too much and I'm not getting anything else done. Well, you know, 
perhaps if he organizes his efforts, he could get things done in less time. You know, sometimes people don't know how to organize effort. Can we say that this is pretty full? I mean, now we're getting more things accomplished. We got what needs to be done, but because we organize our efforts, we find out we could use that time wisely. I could organize my... By the way, most people are not organized or disciplined. I heard a general say, uh, give a commencement speech, and he was saying, how to be successful? Make your bed every day. Because you start to develop habits. You know, most people are not disciplined in their life. You know, you could learn to discipline your life. For example, shoveling snow or sweeping a floor. You know, you could shovel snow and go. (laughs) But what if you did it in straight lines? Organizing your efforts. When you do simple things like that, you start to organize your mind. Most people's are so chaotic and they can't get things done because their mind is bouncing around like butterflies on drugs. It's just, (laughs) but you learn to organize yourself. You know, when you look at your life, you got all these things that need to be done. Well, what if you did it like this and then just knocked out the next thing and the next thing and the next thing? Now it doesn't seem so daunting. I just take what's next. I prioritize, I organize my efforts. What can be done? Now, we could say this is pretty full now, isn't it? Well, let's see what else we could do. Put that in there. Is this double bagged? Awesome sauce. (laughs) Do you know... That in addition to organizing our efforts and using our time wisely, what you could do is organize yourself to succeed. Do you know we spend so much time watching television and we could be using that to take a class? What I teach people is to have a book in every area where you might have a break. And so if you have five minutes, pick up the book. Hey, for those of us who drive, instead of listening to music, why not put on an audiobook or preaching and use our time wisely? You know, you could organize your efforts and use the time wisely and try to fill in those other gaps. You know, if I got, excuse the crude thing, if I'm sitting on the toilet, I've got a couple minutes. Why not use a book? You know, if I'm waiting for my kids to get off work, Why don't I get a book? And so I have one in my car. I have one on my bookshelf. I stand by my bed. I have one in the bathroom. You know, have them available. So you're always pressing forward, sharpening your mind, using that time available. One of my things that my wife does, yeah, you can organize your efforts more. Go ahead. My wife always has memory verses with her. Now she's not in discipleship. She's not in a thing where she, but she always has cards. So if we're driving to church and we're not in a conversation, she pulls them out and she's working on memory verses. She's sharpening her mind. She's constantly working. She's using that time wisely. You understand that when we learn how to use our time wisely, we still all have 24 hours a day. But what are you doing with your time? 
Are you using it wisely? Have you organized yourself to succeed? This is a big deal to be able to learn how to use our time wisely. When you learn to use your time wisely, you'll get more things accomplished than you ever imagined and you will move and advance forward in life. We have so much opportunity in this country that anyone can succeed. You know, you think about and read these books and watch these documentaries of these people who succeeded in life and they have the same time as you and I. What happened? They used that time wisely. All of us can use that time wisely. But you say, Pastor, I get so tired. You know, part of that's flesh. That could be trained and put under subjection. I understand health limitations. I understand that. But sometimes our health limitations is our flesh rebelling. I don't want to work. We all get there. But you could develop the habit, just like everything else. You get in the habit of reading a book when you got a couple minutes. You could develop the habit of studying a memory verse when you got a chance. You could develop the habit of listening to audiobooks rather than listening to music as you drive. You could be productive with the time that you have. And when you do that, you will see yourself advance in your personal life. You will see your advance in your uh, spiritual life. And you'll see a lot more things done. Every one of us have the same amount of time. What are you doing with the time that you have available? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.